marketing programs you run, campaigns, channels you focus on. It's really all about kind of like bringing that message forward um, to the people that receive it. And then once they receive it, what, what type of actions are they taking? Where are they going? What are they deciding? Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. Kind of like right on that ethical borderline, but fascinating from a door knocking perspective. And it, you know, ended up working its way back into the books. At any rate, <clears throat> this guy, what he would do is he would basically have a scenario where, and I think that he was in the business of, um, you know, these businesses that have like all the things you could do for a home, like yeah. kind of like ch home checklists and, yeah. and there's a fee associated with it, but yeah, it's the utility, the, le the electric, the cable, the, you know, all the home services. So his shtick, if you could call it that, was basically like on the visit to the home, he would basically, you know, have an invite or get invited into the home to talk about the, the services. Mm -hmm. And what Cialdini realized was that at some point, usually about 10, 20 minutes into the, the meeting, he would always excuse himself and go back out to his car. And before he would do it, he would say, you know, I, I forgot something in my car would it be okay with you if I let myself back in? And that right there was the reason that this guy was like the top performing salesperson on the team. Because if you think about it, nobody thinks twice about like, well, this guy was already in my home and mm -hmm. then he's going to like let himself back in. But the permission that is granted and the human brain is only granted to people that we trust. Right. To, to let themselves. somebody come in our door at our home. And this guy like basically knew that or figured that out and sales followed accordingly in a trust-based sale. It's kind of fascinating. No, that's amazing. We actually use that tactic at the end, you know, and it's typically when there's a decision maker disagreement. Um, oh. And so what we do is we, we let them know, hey, I forgot this thing uh, in my car. I'm going to go grab it real quick. That thing is part of the the completion process, right? Yeah. And it's typically like a form or um, an energy drink, right? Something to go out and get in the car, and it lets them kind of work that out and yeah. then come back and have a real objection, not just time or, hey, we need to talk about it and come back, you know? And so and, and they do the, the same thing. I'm okay to let myself back in, right? And I never yeah. it never clicked. You know, because we, we learned, I learned that early on in, in, in my career, probably 10, 12 years ago, um, from another person, you know what I mean? And he yeah. did that, and he had no idea why he did it. He just did it to, 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 for them to work out the decision-maker disagreement, but it was a question on the way back in, hey, is it okay if I let myself in? I don't want to just walk into your house, you know? Right. You get a laugh, and they say, yeah, of course. Yeah. By the time they come back, now they've got that, that buy-in. But, we but what, what happens in the buyer's mind at that point in time or the prospect's mind is a fascinating kind of like unconscious or subconscious is probably a better word mm -hmm. to use, like transference of trust yeah. at that very moment. I love it. All right, guys, we got Eric Quanstrom today. He's the CMO of Science.com, which is described as people as a service. It's a B2B lead gen company. He's an expert in outbound and inbound marketing, brand building, voice of the customer, sales business development, just to name a few. Eric, welcome to the show, brother. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I, I, I always laugh whenever a bio is read because it just sounds like, who wrote that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Put on my pants one leg at a time. And I do. I try to condense them a little bit, you know what I mean? Because I know we're going to get into all the things throughout the podcast. Sure. And so... Yeah, it's it, it's always fun getting the long bios and then trying to condense them somewhat so we can make it more about the conversation than the resume, right? But totally, totally. appreciate you coming on the show. I'm I'm so glad to have you on because software isn't talked about enough in sales. And then the fact that you guys identify as people as a service type business, yeah. I love that. I know that I've seen a few software companies start using the people aspect as part of yeah. their program. And it's been going really well because um, I think you know uh, Chris Bell. 
Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I had him a get on a get as yeah. a guest on my podcast. He was wonderful. Yeah. Really, really uh, great, great guest. And one of the most impactful things that he said to me was about the, I don't know if he said this on your show or not, but he talked about the FBI did the study on what it takes to trust someone. And it yes. was something like, yeah, that was such a cool, cool deal. I've, what was it? It was like 15,000 bytes of data. And mm -hmm. uh, a character in a text only has like five to seven. But your voice... <laughs> right. Your voice over seven seconds relays 15,000 bytes of data. So that's why people can trust your voice over a text, right? And so... Well, we, we tell, you know, our cold callers, um, tone is everything. When mm -hmm. you think about it, the way you sound um, conveys so much more than just the words that you use. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And so as I was looking through your background, you've got extensive experiment uh, experience in website software space pretty much you know silicon valley type stuff right but you actually went to school for journalism yeah way back in the day um even back then it was known as broadcast journalism okay and um i don't need to tell you and, and dates self badly <laughs> <laughs> um that was kind of pre-commercial internet i remember you know being in kind of like the internet labs when that was a, a thing coming on online if mm -hmm. you will so the world was just a much different place. In fact, I started my career um, working for what was then the largest media company in the world, Fox, here in, in America. Mm -hmm. Overall company was known as News Corp. But, <clears throat> you know, we, we've, <laughs> we've moved quite a ways um, since those, those times in the 90s. Yeah. And then I was like, how did he get into a CMO role? And then I realized, oh, you know, you have your master's in, in, in marketing. So what made you make that switch over from... from uh, from journalism to marketing. Yeah, it, it was a really interesting time. And, and the reason I actually went back and got my MBA was I had um, moved off of uh, Fox after quite a run there, half a decade, and jumped over to a dot-com one startup. And the, the startup ended up um, you know, going bust. Mm -hmm. And it was a really painful experience, like tons of learnings and tons of um, <laughs> things that I, I never wanted to repeat. but you know, some of the things that, that I kind of felt like was, hey, you got a real life MBA, um, you know, kind of with this experience. Now let's transfer it back to the classroom. And I was always kind of like a marketer at heart. I, mm -hmm. I view marketing as a craft and myself as a craftsman. And it's something that I kind of hope to practice until I, I you know, am six feet under. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, um, it's an ever changing field. It's completely dynamic. A lot of, you know, really great marketing, in my opinion, is understanding kind of like what happens between here. And for those listening on audio only, I'm pointing to my head mm -hmm. and the distance between two, uh, a person's ears, um, largely because you're shaping opinion and raising awareness and ultimately getting kind of behind the behavioral psychology that makes anyone do anything. And a lot of great marketing marketing programs you run, campaigns, channels you focus on. It's really all about kind of like bringing that message forward um, to the people that receive it. And then once they receive it, what, what type of actions are they taking? Where are they going? What are they deciding? How are they kind of like moving with you or <laughs> in the worst case scenario, not moving together with you um, towards a sales outcome? Mm -hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. And um, you can tell you're incredibly passionate about it. How totally. did you make that, you know, and on on this show i like to kind of dive into the person you know yeah i know sure. we're definitely going to talk about science.com because i'm really interested in that but um you made this decision to go back to school after yeah. you know being in a formidable company you know what i mean and uh what what went into that decision making i will say that that a lot of my classes were in downtown san francisco mainly at night so um i was able to kind of <laughs> Ironically enough, I was working in Silicon Valley in the during the day, mm. um, you know, kind of had like a, a day job at a software company, if you will, and then was completing my MBA um, mainly nights and weekends. So it, it ended up working out really well. It wasn't like I just kind of like dropped out of the workforce for a couple of years and, and, mm. and got that MBA. Oh, that makes sense. So um, one of the things that's kind of inspiring about that for me is, is like, even though I'm 36 now, and I've built a multi-million dollar business, right? I still kind of want to go back to school for psychology. Yeah. So I've been diving deep in the last uh, couple of years into what makes entrepreneurs tick and what makes the, you know, like kind of like what you were talking about, our motive, 
motivations behind our aspirations, right? Yeah. And as I get deeper and deeper well into it, it, yeah, it, it, it goes into psychology, you know? And so I really want to, want to study that. And I don't know that I want to be a psychologist per se, but I definitely enjoy researching that and studying the brain and how we take as human, human beings. So, uh, and it's just been kind of on my mind. Like I want the, I want the formal education too. It's endlessly fascinating, really, when you think about it. And, and there's so much, you know, I love the work. I think, <clears throat> you know, a great place for anyone to start along these lines is any of the work done by um, Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky. Kahneman won a uh, Nobel Prize for a lot of his work. And you can kind of like catch his opus in Thinking Fast and Slow, um, okay. New York Times bestselling book. But it, it really captures a lot of the ways that the human brain is kind of predictably irrational. And, um, and that actually is where a lot of, uh, heuristics are born. Heuristics are very important for marketing because they're the kind of behaviors that are unthinking behaviors. Um, it doesn't mean like devoid of thought. It just means that, you know, the mental shortcuts that humans use every single day kind of to get through the day and help them make decisions so that we're not paralyzed by endless choice. Right. <laughs> so at any rate, I, I find that the, that kind of work is, um, like once you kind of start down that deep dive, like in my experience personally and with uh, peers and others, it, like it never ends. You know, your curiosity just continues to get fed. And, and for that, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm like all geeked out on it. You know what I yeah. mean? So, yeah. And I, I, I do as well. There's not much that I get into that is outside of being present where I'm at. Right. But this is one of those things that I'm incredibly interested in. And hier heuristics is what you said, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious about that because it sounds like, you know, there's a, there's a concept of that, you know, as we grow up, we develop these pathways in our brain that we yes. send, we send uh, signals down, right? And we're used to these certain pathways. And anytime we try to create a new habit, it's creating a new pathway. And right. the more that we do that habit, that pathway is created and created, but it's too easy just to go back to the same old pathway that we had, right? And they, that sounds very similar to that. So I'm definitely going to... Well, you know just to take a stupid, simple example, like any marketer that isn't focused on heuristics will oftentimes, you know, make simple boneheaded mistakes around, you know, like <clears throat> you go to any website, you see a button there. The heuristic is, oh, that's a call to action. That's, you know, they're going to be expecting something of me if I hit that button and, and I'm presented with a form, right? Like we have 25 years of the commercial web plus, um, you know, and that's a well-established heuristic going forward. So how you think through that situation, how you apply it to your own website, how you apply it to get anyone to, to you know, ultimately take action, do something. Um, if you don't know the heuristic, if you don't know kind of like what the mental shortcut is, if you don't know what people are naturally expecting, mm -hmm. um, you'll oftentimes really confuse them. You'll break pattern and you'll um, cost yourself, frankly, a lot of money, um, you know, along those lines. So let's get into science. Is it science.com? It is. So, science without the S. Right. And I, I love that, by the way. It's genius. But I'm guessing it has a lot to do with the, the science that you're describing right now. You know? And a little bit. So tell me a little bit uh, about the business. Yeah. So the company was started. It actually was called Leadware when it was first um, birthed into the world back in 2015. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> science kind of came about when the new management team, myself included, uh, came into the company, technically science acquired lead, leadware. But okay. the, the bigger takeaway point is um, we rebranded as, as science largely because we felt like this is a term that everyone and their mother knows. Um, you know, science is a popular concept, has a lot of positive associations associated with it. Um, we have a little mascot, right? Like actually this, this rocket here we call yeah. it. You know, we love playing with the associations of rocket science. But, you know, it's it's one of those names that where once you say it once, like sometimes we get people go, are you seance? No, no, no. It's just science without the S. It's an intentional misspelling. Right. And, and once you do that, they remember it forever. Yeah. Right. So it's great branding, um, six characters. And we were able to get the dot com and, and kind of like move forward um, down that path. And, and I really think that that was a, a fundamental, important shift in our company's life cycle. Um, and <laughs> I guess since that time, we've just been kind of growing, 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 which is, um, it, it's been a wild ride. No joke. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, originally, you had said that y'all offered a certain, you know, 
suite of services and now it's been expanding lately. So it has talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So we, we, um, <clears throat> again, we were birthed as leadware and what we offered at that time was primarily kind of SDR as a service or outbound prospecting that we would do for a given business, largely, um, people back, you know, we would enable those, those individuals, those team members with technology, but the more important takeaway recently is that we've started to build out our own software stack, our own software suite that really serves and helps uh, facilitate everything that we would do in an outbound or an account-based motion. So for instance, um, we've launched a, a platform called the Go Platform, and it has right now seven different software titles um, that are all a part of it. And they range in, in kind of like size, scope, and, and maybe even importance, but they cover off on things like data, right? So we have the Go Data platform that's 300 million records strong, and it's mm -hmm. you know you can think of it as like a ginormous um, sales intelligence database uh, for prospecting. <clears throat> we have our own DSP, um, which is an ad serving, you know, ad management type platform that enables us to get in front of customers and kind of like serve ads specifically to a given um, target audience you know, even if that target audience is one. <laughs> yeah. So it allows us to get really granular with how we get in front of and create impressions um, for advertising. And then we have a variety of tools that like accentuate um, kind of the outbound motion, if you will. Mm -hmm. So there's the ability to schedule appointments with our scheduling software. There's the ability to chat with our chat software. There's the ability to um, identify anonymous web visitors, you know, as you, they would hit your website and you would say, oh, that's Doug. Mm -hmm. I need to follow up with Doug. Um, and this is a, a, a really cool tool. And me as a marketer, I, I kind of love it. I've, I've fallen <laughs> madly in love with um, the idea that even best case scenario, I'm only converting like 3% of the people that visit my site mm -hmm. on a given day. So 97% are kind of going away anonymously. And my, you know, this tool go show has the ability to kind of like tell me, Hey, you know, that's Doug, mm -hmm. you know, what actions do you want to take? Cause he didn't take action with you, but he's still in your ICP and you should be following up with him, you know, post haste. So, um, those are just a, a few highlights of some of the products that, that we've built to support kind of like the people as a service vision. And now we bundle all of those together and, you know, um, in some cases sell the software standalone. Yeah. I was going to ask, is it like an a la carte thing? And then you can put it all together for a discount or something like that. That's, that's right. Like. That's exactly right. And, you know, each one of these tools that we built um, <clears throat> with the vision was really all around, you know, kind of like supporting this overall mission, this overall, you know, it, it's true to say that the, the science customers, when they win, we win. Mm -hmm. Right. So the vast majority of those customers are coming to us wanting to grow more. They want to leverage a channel of communication, um, you know, outbound where they have the ability to kind of like whatever trajectory they were on, we're looking to, you know, push it north with more appointments, more meetings, greater amounts of, of pipeline and net new sales. So that's kind of the, the why hire science, you know, and we, we charge a monthly subscription <clears throat> fee for all of our services and software. Mm -hmm. And so for us, the ability to boil down kind of like all the, the offering, if you will, where you can kind of like, hit the button, get started with science. It's a lot quicker than if you were do, doing it by yourself and kind of like having to hire everyone and equip them and tool them out, train right. them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to get this down to pun intended, wait for it, get this down to a science. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But I'm so, so one of the things I noticed about it is it, you know, it mainly said that you guys were B2B, but it, it sounds like y'all, y'all do uh, B2C also. With the, the, the newer software titles, um, we've been expanding our own total addressable market. Okay. And it's been a really interesting motion for us to, you know, kind of relearn, rethink, um, even kind of get in into um, leads that might have formerly been DQ'd or wouldn't mm -hmm. be a great fit, you know, in 2021. Now in 2022, different story, you know, much wider aperture that we can potentially serve and provide value back down to those, those clients. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You were, you were talking earlier about uh, somebody visiting your site and then leaving the site without taking action and that yeah. you can, you know, 
it, it, is part of that service uh, what retargeting ads are, or what are you? I guess Precisely. what's the action you're taking at that point? Just using the retargeting campaign. Yeah, so it's it's actually a multi-channel action um, if you think about it, and kind of getting into the weeds a little bit. <clears throat> the way that we view it is people that are visiting your site. Um, we like to call the motion inbound led outbound. And what that really means is someone has expressed interest in even coming to your site. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of websites in the world, you know, are found because frankly, people like marketers put in the effort to get them there, right? Google, they showed up in a Google search result. Maybe there was an av advertisement that, that brought them to that web page. Maybe there was a channel partner or referrer or some social media that, that put them on that website. Either way, there's usually a cost associated with bringing people to your site, um, whether that cost is per click <clears throat> or aggregated out across creating great content, as a for instance, mm -hmm. um, in order to be found, you know, like this podcast, right? right? You know, people find the podcast and they click through, they listen to it. Um, if you want them to take a further action, um, there's usually also a cost associated with that too. And the vast majority of people, you know, this is just true across the web, industry by industry, the, the rates don't really change that much. Um, vast majority of websites usually only convert at a one to 3% rate. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of very typical. So the, the, the problem in marketing is inclusive of things like retargeting, where you would say, hey, a dumb retargeting you know, kind of like program would basically say every site visitor, I'm going to cookie them and I'm going to go find their cookie and bid against it from a display ad perspective, like forevermore or for a given time period, right? right. To try to bring them back to my site. We take a slightly different spin on that. We, we also provide retargeting, but our retargeting is usually also um, like hitting a step in the middle saying, who is that person and do they fit their your ICP? And should we be, you know, advertising to your ICP because mm -hmm. it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And, and frankly, it costs a lot of money yeah. to retarget, you know, college kids doing research or people from the wrong country right. <laughs> or your competitors or, you know, whoever else doesn't fit, but happen to find your site anyways. Inbound is, is chock full of kind of like, and I don't mean this pejoratively, but misfits, yeah. right? Like yeah. just not fits. Yeah. Um, so. <clears throat> there's a better way to go. And, and, you know, we, we like to help enable our customers with that better way. Um, but we don't stop at just the ad platform and the, and the retargeting motion. Mm -hmm. We also believe that inbound led outbound means that of the people hitting your site, you could be calling them up on the phone, emailing them, connecting on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. you know, in addition to kind of like an ad play where really the, the name of the game is, can I have a conversation? I saw that you were checking us out. So therefore, I wanted to follow up with you and your organization to learn about, you know, some of the areas of promise that we might have in common <laughs> to see if there's a fit. And I'm only going to do that if you hit all my marks in terms of qualification, which makes That's a right. lot of sense. You're not you're not doing this blanket effort, which, you know, in terms of marketing in general, like as far as my knowledge and, you know, a lot of the people that I deal with, it's and you're doing already retargeting. You're doing more than most of the companies out there. You know, right. this is taking it to the next level of saying, hey, I'm retargeting and I'm I'm retargeting based on a profile that I need them to hit and then I'm reaching out to them. So that's huge. So one yeah, of the, the other um, thing. So we, we like the inbound led outbound concept and we think that that's the way the world is is going to be moving, if if not already moving um, in a massive trend line. We also think and this is kind of like the newest um, product in our product suite, we call it go intent. But it's basically studying kind of like intent based signals out across the web. You know, we, we are scraping and crawling, um, you know, north of 30 million websites to determine kind of like the underlying structure of those websites so that we can get an idea. Hey, when when Doug Mitchell is out on, I don't know, entrepreneur.com or Forbes reading an article on lead generation or lead generation services, mm -hmm. you know, that we might be able to score that article, score that you know, with our identity graph, like your movement, and then basically go after your company and potentially mm -hmm. you, because we have that information that you might be in market right. searching for lead generation. Mm -hmm. And so the intent product is a, another way kind of like that we feel prioritizes what could be an outbound effort so that you're not just flying blind and kind of starting on your own man-made list um, and kind of working your way A through Z, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Um, cause we think that in market buyers, 
lend themselves to higher conversion rates, higher faster sales cycles when, you know, kind of like appointments are generated. Yeah. Largely because the the part of um, the conversation around having a need or having an interest or being curious about a given topic is already kind of like box checked. So let me ask you this: What do you what do you think about the concept of okay? So like in in my business in solar, we have several different mediums which we acquire customers. You know, we've got lead gen, we've got um, organic content, and then of course door to door, right? Mm-hmm. So with door to door, when I go to a door, I'm impulsing that whole conversation, that product ever being on their roof, right? Yes. Um, typically, I don't deal with a lot of competition because of that. Yeah. And so when I do get, when I do use lead gen, now I'm, I'm competing against five or six other bids. Yes. So when, when that type of situation is happening and I am shopping for it, and maybe it is a, a quicker sales cycle because I'm shopping for it, right. do, do you guys try and um, figure out how to reduce the amount of competition that you're competing against because you're in that data looking for people who are buying right now? Absolutely. And, and I would go so far as to say that um, what you just described, especially in our world, we mm-hmm. see an inbound sale and an outbound sale like as two different sales. They're okay. like, especially when you think about where's the prospect, where's the buyer on their journey of consideration, right? Like <clears throat> when you're starting a conversation cold and you're kind of the one that sparks or seed kernels um, the interest and the how they might benefit, you know, like in the door knocking scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Like five minutes before I, I opened the door, I was not thinking about solar. I was not thinking about spending money, but like, hey, maybe there was a little bit of magic and alchemy and reasoning around why I should consider this or why I should move forward to exploring solar with you. Right. Um, yeah, we're very and, good and, at what we do. <laughs> we have yeah, to be and, because and I would, creating it from air. Yeah, absolutely. You're. And I view that as an art, truly. Yeah. If you think about it, um, you're not giving people reasons in that sales cycle either to go out and kind of like revalidate with you know your five closest competitors. Why would you? Right. On an inbound motion, um, what you're really taking advantage of is strong inbound is really capturing people as they have the idea, the need, the thought in their head already around, maybe solar is a good idea for me who should I be considering now that I'm kind of like on this path? Right. And so getting yourself into harm's way and then having people, you know, raise their hand and maybe they're raising it with others and saying, Hey, I want to, I want to bake you guys off. I want to make a wise buying decision. Mm -hmm. I want to learn, you know, who's going to be best for me. That's a different sale because you need to then stand out from the crowd. You need to differentiate. You need to be able to kind of tell your story succinctly and, and really, develop trust, not just with the buyer, but against the competitors. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, one of the ways that we think long and hard about doing that all the time is what is the story that we're telling each one of our buyers from an inbound perspective with our organization, Mm -hmm. especially around how we do lead gen and how we do lead gen differently as a, for instance, Mm -hmm. um, largely so that we try to old book um, concept, I think is still valid. If you think about red ocean, blue, blue ocean strategies, we're looking to forever create blue ocean kind of like concepting, especially in our inbound leads, you know, like the red ocean would basically say that you're defined by the market and you know, everything defaults to, to commodity. And ultimately most deals are won and lost on price, right? Not a great place to be in (laughs) reason it's blood ocean. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or yeah. a, a red ocean is because it's full of blood, right? right? Like it's heavily competitive and, and usually margins get squeezed pretty tightly. Blue ocean strategy is saying, hey, 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 wait, even though we've got this, you know, kind of like ocean concept or whatever, you know, we happen to be swimming in from a need perspective, how do we redefine kind of like the way that we talk about and the way that we do what we do that's fundamentally different than all of our relevant competition mm-hmm. so that people begin to, even though, you know, may, they may be searching for lead generation, they start to conceptualize in their own mind. These guys don't sound like those guys, right? They, they, they don't even like remotely close resemble that. And therefore, you know, we may lose some deals because of that, but, um, the, this bigger, stronger kind of like more, um, and I see the numbers, so I have the proof. Yeah. The bedrock of that is that's success, way more successful. 
than mm-hmm. competing on other people's terms. Yeah, because you get to, one, <clears throat> maintain your margin because you're providing more value, hopefully, than your competition. And what we've noticed is the more we educate the consumer before we ask for the sale, the, the more likely we are going to get that sale, even if we're yeah. more expensive than the other guys. And That's so, so what we've done is we've put together a few things. Uh, one is our difference makers, right? And so with, with solar, you know, you can sell solar virtually, you can sell it nationally, you can subcontract the install. So it, it, it goes very wide, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so one of the first things we talk about is we're local. One of the second things we talk about is we hire a tax specialist to basically fill out your tax forms for you and hold, and uh, hand them to your CPA so you know that you're you're covered. And then, right. uh, you know, we have a, I was just sipping on it, our Argenta Energy drink that we drop off with our customers. They love that. <laughs> Got a QR code on the back for a custom solar quote, hands it out to friends and family and stuff. We also, every solar system we install, and this is old school, but it, People still love it. They get the warm and fuzzies. Every solar system we install, we put two new pairs of shoes on kids in need, you know. And we work with uh, Champion Shoes for that. And then the last thing is we have our own app that the customer is able to monitor their solar usage in and then refer other customers to us. So right away, we're trying to make ourselves different, but at the same time, it is an education-based sale. You know, we talk about uh, in, in our business things like dealer fees, which is this huge financing charge that's kind of hidden behind the dealer that gets forwarded to the customer. Yep. And so um, being in California, I'm sure maybe you've heard of some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what we found is like the more that we educate them and don't go right in and ask for the sale and give them the price, the higher conversion rate we're going to have with those type of customers. Well, you know, I, I, um, I've worked with uh, a sales leader that I particularly respect and he's fond of saying that, <clears throat> Price before value is sales malpractice. A hundred percent, hundred percent. So as I was going through y'all's background and everything, I, I noticed that y'all just had a huge accomplishment, which is uh, exciting for me because I, you know, I, I do have, I am excited about this subject in general. So y'all just won uh, an award. Y'all, y'all were ranked six best place to work for women. Yeah. By fortune. Magazine. How did, yeah. How did y'all, how did y'all pull that off first off? Well, first of all, it came through, um, they run these very validated kind of third party hands off as much as I wish I could have like Geppettoed and pulled the strings and kind of like, um, had any input over the surveys. <laughs> I did not. Yeah. Um, but our people did and a few hundred of our workforce took those surveys and basically the surveys, um, you know, are stacked ranked against, what seemed to be about like tens of thousands of other both companies and survey results. And it graded us out as being, you know, our workplace culture really healthy and and good for, um, for women. So I I find it to be pretty gratifying to be honest with you that we would, you know, kind of like qualify and, um, (laughs) you know, be, be ranked so high on that list amongst some real blue chip names. Yeah. It's, it's, it's massive. And, I, I like it because being in sales, it's a very male-driven industry. And one of the things I noticed early on when I was hiring sales teams, recruiting, building them and everything, is that the women would do so much better with such, not not little effort because they were working just as hard, but they they had an ability in sales that men didn't have. They had an ability to bring down the basically wall of you know, protection that when you open a door, you have automatically, right? Yeah. And so I wanted to make sure that my company was uh, a safe place to work for women in general, which is very hard around, you know, sales and, you know, all the testosterone, you know what I mean? And the Wolf of Wall Street type stuff. So, so, you know, we put a lot of things into place to kind of cater to, to women in our workplace. And it is, it's, you know, I'm probably at like 10% right now, women, you know, it's just not mm-hmm. something that, you know, direct sales or door-to-door sales for that matter is not something that they're just pining to get into. So I think it's so cool that you guys were able to, to, uh, pull that off. And so you're basically like 0.02% top place to work for women, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is really cool. Yeah. So, it's, it's great. And, you know, frankly, it, we have, um, relatively new, but, um, a new CEO, her name is August Keating and, um, and it's been great, you know, like to kind of see 
like leadership at the top, you know, kind of moving on down and, and what she's mm-hmm. bringing to the table. Um, it, it's, uh, like you said, it, there's just a different kind of like vibe. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a different energy room. for sure. Different energy. So I guess what's next for, for science? What are you guys working on? What's behind the well, curtain? The, <laughs> yeah. The next is really like getting the software <clears throat> titles, um, con- continuing down their own growth path. Right. So, and, and integrating even f- like more fully into this motion that for lack of a better way of putting it, I think we're pioneering, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't hear a lot of other people in, in kind of like the lead gen services space, um, or SDR as a service space, really talking about kind of the inbound led outbound or intent led outbound kind of like motion, like whatsoever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't, I, I don't think that that's a, a thing for them largely because they don't have their own kind of like tools leading the way. And so that would be a good example of what I was talking about earlier, you know, pioneering kind of the model. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. There's going to be some arrows in our back, I think. Yeah. But we've been, you know, kind of following this model ourselves, um, you know, drinking our own champagne, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it's been pretty damn successful. So the, <clears throat> the move forward is one that's pretty calculated in a sense um, but also one that, that we believe, you know, the rest of the world is, is just going to naturally follow because <clears throat> it's a stronger model. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I put it to you this way, like all else equal, every business on the face of the planet has or should have an ideal customer profile, mm-hmm. right? Like where they've sat down and they thought, who should be our customers? Right. And they've determined that who, you know, whether that list is, you know, 5,000 or 500,000, um, you know, businesses and then titles within that business or personas within that business that they should be targeting. <clears throat> then you get into the question of like, okay, well, who should we prioritize in that ICP? Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you get into a, you know, kind of a baseline prioritization discussion, you could say, well, I want to prioritize all those that are already interested in me. <laughs> that are already voting with their clicks or happen to come to my website or found something that I was doing our content, our brand, whatever, interesting or curious. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be a great place to start. And, and already you're, you're segmenting down your ICP to, you know, those that are taking an interest in you. So that would be number one. Number two would be, I want to focus on all those people that are out in the world that fit my ICP criteria, but that are also searching for my areas of promise, those topics that I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And so if you can get into an intent motion, then our belief is that you're already kind of like better than if you just took that same ICP lead list of 500,000 started at a and worked your way through Z, which is not strategic at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we think that's a stronger model. I agree a hundred percent. I think because you're in, in California, I think you'd be surprised at how many businesses don't do what you just said, identify the customer profile. Very few, uh, it, it, especially like in in cent- the central U.S. or mm-hmm. you know like where I am in Texas, all the way up through like Dallas, you know that's that's where most of my business network is, right? And then you know they're spread out all over the country too. But one of the first questions I ask when I do consulting is, you know, what is your what is your salesperson avatar, and then what is your cons- consumer avatar, so that I can match them up to each other and make sure that we're we're on the same page. They have the salesperson avatar because they're usually sales orgs or sales centric, right? But they never have the customer one. Right. And I'm just like, and, the, and you know, it's usually home services, right? So they're, they're like everybody in the U.S. And I'm like, no, that's not how that works. You want to create the least resistance in the sales process by identifying that customer profile so your salespeople are more successful. And then the, right. one, the salespeople that aren't normally successful are successful because yes. you've you've given them us basically a slippery lane to go down to the finish line. Right. Totally agree. And again, I think it's, it, we're still really dated, especially with small businesses, you know? Yeah. And so I'm kind of curious, what is your customer profile? Because it, it sounds like it's like a medium sized business, but are you guys entertaining the the smaller businesses like five to 10 million? Yeah, we we do work fairly well. And, and again, I would even caveat what I'm about to say Mm -hmm. with we're transitioning 
you know, now with a broader footprint, or like I said before, a wider aperture, if you will, of people that we can help. But traditionally, like when we were a services only business, um, we would typically in, in stack ranked order be largely focused on head of sales at a given business size. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the larger the business, the more that title kind of like kind of goes down, if you will. So, you know, at a billion dollar company, we may be dealing with director of sales right. level folks versus um, your kind of like CRO or VP of sales at mm -hmm. a smaller organization. Um, second archetype, mainly with SMBs, was founder, owner, CEO, president titles <clears throat> that are kind of wearing multiple hats, but ultimately decision making into they're the ones most concerned with growth. Right. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who own, you know, my business needs to grow. We we're on this trajectory. We need to be on this one. Right. So ultimately, and sorry for the audio only uh, recorder, I was putting out my hand on one trajectory <laughs> and giving the up and to the right. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're on YouTube also, so they can always go to the YouTube if they want to see those amazing. <laughs> I talk with my hands yeah, all the time. Exactly. I can't help it. <laughs> um, and then third. Uh, persona was really in the marketing department. So head of marketing on down, we find that with the new software titles, we're really expanding kind of like throughout the marketing department. Mm -hmm. So getting more involvement, especially like the data product is a good example. Um, people with the word operations in their title in the marketing department or even in the sales department. So people that aren't holding a queue or a, a, a quota, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but that are assisting those that do, and ultimately enabling them with things like high quality prospecting data. Mm -hmm. So it's not even the uh, end decision maker, it's the person that's gonna bring up that decision in the first place. Person that owns the problem, mm -hmm. Yeah. right? So if you really think about um, you know, a buyer's journey, we always wanna be talking first in any given sales cycle to the person that kind of is most closely associated with the problem that we can help solve. Right. And so, getting more accurate or better, uh, richer, more broad data on the people that you would want to prospect to just to use the data example while we're on on that topic. Mm -hmm. um, that's the problem space, right? Because if you don't have that solved, what are you doing? Well, your people are wasting a lot of time. And that time is money. You know, like, if I'm calling phone numbers that are inaccurate, if I'm sending emails that are bouncing, if I'm targeting or I can't target, like, as granularly as I would want, mm -hmm. I'm wasting a lot of time. And that time, like literally, a lot of people don't time track and they don't, you know, record it. But like, that's the hobgoblin that really like damages your business. Because um, as a business leader, wouldn't you argue that where your people spend their time is the most valuable thing that they have in a given day? Yeah, 100%. You know, on a personal side, your time is your base asset. Then why wouldn't it be in your business with your people? That's right. hundred percent. So in a sense, like that problem space gets to carry itself forward. And then we can make a lot of um, relevant or resonant kind of like messaging around that. You know, it is about the data, but it's also about these bigger problems around time, around, you know, kind of like quality of data, mm -hmm. around how you do your targeting motion or what you should be doing if you wanted to follow like best practices. So those are kind of things that, you know, if you just listen to this kind of like on the playback, mm -hmm. you're like, well, he's not really talking about his product anymore. He's more talking about the problems that his would be customers are kind of like facing. Right. And I find that that's a, just a much more effective conversation to, to move forward with. That makes a lot of sense because you're attracting people with those same problems, same problems. That's right. You know, um, I would, uh, it, it, it reminds me very much of the Abe Lincoln quote, you know, if I had to chop down a tree, Right. Love that quote. I'll spend yeah. four hours sharpening the axe and, you know, one chopping it down versus going right at it. You know what I mean? In which most of us as business owners and across the nation, we go at it right away. You know, work hard. Right. We're going to make a bunch of money. We're going to make a bunch of impact doing that instead of sharpening that axe for four hours, which costs money. Yeah, you know, Without does. a return on investment until you're done and you've, you've put together that customer profile, you've put together that salesperson profile, and when you strike, you're striking clean, you know, but well, and it, it's funny if you broke that quote down, it's so simple as to be almost deceptively. So mm -hmm. um, if you measured Abe on his effectiveness of chopping down the tree at hour three, you would basically say, Abe, you haven't done a damn thing. Yeah. Like what's going on? And, you know, 
people that are kind of like um, maybe not having a full picture of what's going on would say he's really ineffective. Mm -hmm. And yet when he goes to chop, he's like going to do it in, you know, a quarter or a sixth of the time of someone that's just kind of like chopping away from minute one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that, that goes right along with setting the expectation, you know, whether it's the, the, the customer or the campaign that you're trying to pitch the CEO. Um, you got to set that expectation up front. I, I have such a um, empathy for CEOs in Silicon Valley because they want results year one, but it takes, like we just talked about, it takes that sharpening of the axe over time to create those results, right? Um, all the, all well, that being said, we kind of started out on a, on a personal level, right? And I sure. kind of want it to end on that as well. And um, the, the, the question that I ask everybody on this show is, is to do with legacy. You know, what does legacy okay. mean to you? And um, what legacy are you going to leave behind? Well, I, I think that, that question is, um, it's different depending on the sphere of influence, right? So there's legacy with your family, there's legacy with a workplace, there's legacy like in any of the activities, organizations, or, mm -hmm. you know, um, <clears throat> places you belong, so to speak, right. um, outside of <laughs> family and work. Right. So if we want to confine legacy to kind of like the workplace, since this is, you know, largely a, a business focused podcast, mm -hmm. um, the legacy that, that I hope to always leave behind is I'm a big team guy, right? Like I, I believe in, you know, kind of long rope <laughs> with every one of like my staff. If you have any of my staff on, um, they'll, they'll confirm this fact. <laughs> I, f I feel as though as a kind of leader or manager, um, in an organization, the, the more rope you give people, ironically enough, the tighter they bind. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and it's easier to get down with the cause. I'm definitely not one of these leaders who tries to lead by fear or intimidation or right. micromanagement or shame. I'm much more of a build you up type leader, um, empowerment. I see my job and, and even my legacy as how much friction can I remove to make my people as effective as possible at their various jobs, at their roles, at their deliverables, so that ultimately the more I can enable, the more they they contribute. I love it. And and that's truly how I view kind of a, a legacy discussion. And then, you know, we have scorecards, right? Like growth, revenues, profitability, you know, all of those types of things are part of that legacy equation. And, and we can go down different, you know, kind of tentacles right. there, depending on... <laughs> You know what, though, that, that makes a lot of sense for you, though, because obviously you're a data-driven individual, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And the idea that, you know, legacy shouldn't have data tied to it is just silly to me. You know, the yeah. way, and, and the reason I ask that question is because, like I told you earlier, I've been researching this type of stuff for a couple of years now, and um, what I've come up with is, you know, basically there's values at a foundational level, there's purpose and passion after that, yeah. and then there's the things, the uh, the assets, the what you end up with, right? Yeah. And uh, you were talking about grouping it into personal um, business and, you know, the uh, communities outside of personal and business. And I think the one thing that goes through all those, and you talked about it a little bit, was those values, you know, kind of remove, you know, and your legacy would be removing friction, whether it was in your personal life with your, your family, removing friction in your business, or removing friction in your community so that everybody can be the greatest version of themselves is a, an amazing legacy to leave behind. And one that I yeah. would be very excited about. I, I, you know, it's funny, the, the thing that popped in your, in my mind while you were saying that was really around like kind of a, almost a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yep. um, type of description as we're all kind of like climbing our way up the rungs towards self-actualization. And I think that why that's instructive or why it's even a talking point, at least for me right now, is you have to master the foundational kind of like rungs first, right? You have to take away, luckily we're in, you know, the United States, yeah. <laughs> a first world country where food, water, shelter, and safety are not necessarily challenged. Yeah. But, you know, there's also like on the path to self-actualization at the very top, um, there are a lot of things you can do as a manager, as a leader that remove barriers um, to helping your people become kind of like their best selves. Now, one of the things that's kind of interesting about that dynamic 
um, and this might be a, an hour long conversation in and of itself, but it has been my experience too, that the more you enable, oftentimes the more a career progresses. And then at, at some point in time, those people, you know, they, they get wings and, and they leave to, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> go apply their trade at an even greater level. I also view that as actually legacy creating in the same way, because um, I far prefer people, you know, realizing their own dreams on their own path, especially their own career arc <clears throat> that I could help play a, a small part in mm -hmm. um, as they move to ever better places than trying to just kind of like stifle or ceiling or keep somebody on the team just because it was beneficial to me. <laughs> so and too many. And too many business owners and, and too many people in general do that. You know, they look for the ROI, right? Right. And, and you know what? Even if you do look for an ROI, I have membership interests. I have uh, partnerships. I have relationships with people that I was just a rung in their ladder. You know what I'm saying? And so there, there's an ROI there. If you, totally. If you, but you have to come from a, a, a place of, like you said, where you're just, a piece of that journey and you're okay with it. You're at peace totally. with that. Cause when you're at peace with something like that, you put that out in the world and it, it comes back to you hundred percent. It really does. And, and the way I feel it comes back to you the most is your own internal scorecard, your own, when your head hits the pillow at night and you're able to sleep well with yourself, the decisions you've made, your own moral compass, so to speak, your own kind of like, did I do kind of like right by the people in my sphere of influence? that day. And when you can always say yes to that, like it's a very peaceful, you know, feeling. I like your word and I'll, I'll steal it. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> so absolutely. So Eric, it's been a absolute pleasure. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy how, as I start to put more of this out in the universe, people keep coming onto my podcast that I align with a hundred percent. So you're one <laughs> of those people. Thank you for uh, coming on the, the podcast today. You provided so much value to our listeners, as well as if they do want to reach out to you for your service or just to reach out to collaborate with you individually, where do they do that at? Well, the good news on both counts is it's really, um, we're pretty easy to find. So science.com, science without the S, um, you can find just about anything you want on our public website. And then if, if uh, you wanted to fork it and, and uh, connect with me on something like LinkedIn, there's luckily not too many quantstrums in the world. Um, <laughs> my name was Americanized through Ellis Island um, you uh -huh. know, a few hundred years ago. So even though I have Swedish heritage, like there are no quantstrums with a Q in Sweden. So it's kind of funny. Nice. Um, but so I'm an easy mark, an easy target, and uh, you could do a LinkedIn search and, and I'd pop up <laughs> awesome. pretty easily. All right, guys, Eric Quantstrom, one of one. <laughs> there you go. Let's get building. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to execute on what you just heard and let's get building. As always, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts. You can also head on over to buildinggreatsalesteams.com and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. See you next time.